Gracious Father in heaven, we come before thee with thanksgiving in our hearts that we can yet again gather here together. What a wonderful privilege, Father, that you have preserved for us. And Father, we're thankful, especially because you have promised that where two or three have gathered in your name, that you, your spirit will be with us, that your presence will be with us. And that makes it all worthwhile, Father. We thank you for the opportunity we've had to uh, worship in song. And we look forward to a day when we will not grow weary or our voices will not crack or become faint, but where we, where we will be able to praise you without end. And we will desire deeply to praise you. What a beautiful thought. And we thank you for those promises, Father. Now, as we would look into your word, Lord, we ask that uh, your spirit would be our teacher, that he would be our guide, that even though my lips would be speaking the words, that he would be the one, though, that impresses them upon our heart and in our minds, and that uh, they would transform us even as he is taught. Thank you, Father, for the privilege we have of your word, for the beautiful story that is before us, the one that points to you and glorifies you. And we thank you, Father, that we even have this opportunity of coming before you in prayer, as unworthy as we are, yet we come in the name of Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so, um, you're all aware, or m most of you are aware, that uh, I was preaching through a group of psalms, Psalm 113 to 118, uh, commonly known as the Egyptian Halal. And uh, we finished now Psalm 118, and yeah, 113 to 118. And we're finished those now. Um, so before we move on to something else, um, I wanted to, uh, in a sense, look back. Because uh, many of you may be asking the question, um, as we as we went through the um, the six psalms, um, you know the question may be why are we talking about these? Especially because these are a Passover um, reciting. But um, this verse came to me as I was thinking about this earlier, um, which really is uh, speaks to the heart of what I would like to speak about tonight. And it's, it's found in Colossians chapter 2. You don't have to turn with me or if you wish, do so. But it's just two verses. And Colossians chapter 2 says this, uh, verse 16 and 17. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. So we're talking about the feast of Passover, right? So this is particularly important. And he says... These things, verse 17, don't let anybody judge you in all these things because these are really, these are which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ, it says. So the apostle here says these, these meals and, and feasts and holy days that we're having, these are all just a shadow of things to come. And um, I'd like to begin by um, looking at the Passover meal, um, the feast, the Passover meal, why did we do it? Why do the Jewish people originally uh, observe it? And uh, how do they observe it now? And then what's the point of it? 
And is there any point that we can draw from it? Can we look at the Egyptian halal, these six uh, psalms, and is there something there for us? So all scripture is uh, one continuous overarching uh, narrative, and it's all about God. From start to finish, the narrative always is pointing back to God, and uh, it speaks of his glory, um, it speaks of his will being uh, um, initiated and enacted throughout creation and time. It speaks of our relationship to him. This narrative is uh, speaking about our sin against him. It speaks about his love, his mercy, and it speaks about redemption by him. So these are uh, these this narrative from start to finish is always somewhere along these lines, but it's always pointing us back to God. Um, so we've been looking now at this halal um, as it was, it was viewed by the chosen people or the chosen nation of Israel. Um, so this group of psalms was really important to them, and they would always repeat these during the fat Passover feast. And we're going to actually look at where and when they would have done this. Um, but to the Jewish people, this, uh, uh, this group of psalms and this whole uh, feast, this holy day, it had a deep meaning, um, and it was cherished, and um, it was purposefully passed on to generations uh, below them. Um, it was really important to them. In fact, it was considered the most holy of their feasts. They had many feasts. Um, so how does this uh, um, Passover feast that the Jews would have, how does this fit into the narrative of, of, of Scripture? This, this story um, that began um, in the beginning, uh, before even the beginning of creation, and, and is, is finding its, its finish in uh, eternity after Revelation. Is it just a curious tradition? Does it even fit in, in the first place? Um, is it a curious tradition that the descendants of Jacob observe? Does this have any relevance to you and I who do not have Jewish heritage? Um, have you wondered why are we, we focusing so much on these and, and particularly the, the, the observance and, and the remembrance of what it, it looked back to? Um, should this group of Psalms be cherished by us and passed, passed on to fo- uh, the following generations? Is this something that uh, was interesting to us or is this something that really needs to be um, seriously considered cherished and we should be passing on to um, our children so I want to just briefly look back at the Passover I know time is is not going to allow an extensive sort of uh, look at this but we're going to look first at when it was initiated just to uh, trigger our memory I want to look at the particulars of what happened in the Passover feast as it would have been observed in Christ's time. And then um, I want to look at what was it foreshadowing. So uh, we know that the Passover feast was ex, um, uh, initiated as the children of Israel were in captivity in is, uh, Egypt. And uh, Moses came as a prophet and he told uh, Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh refused. And so the Lord brought... Uh, uh, worked many miracles and brought plagues upon the people of Egypt uh, in, in order to encourage them and encourage Pharaoh to let my people go, and yet he would not. And so finally, uh, the final plague 
was to be the killing of the firstborn of every family in Egypt, except for those who, in obedience, um, marked the, the, the lintel and the doorposts of their house. So this was found in uh, Exodus chapter 12, where we first see God telling them what they ought to do. Um, and so he says, Exodus 12, verse 2, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the generation of Israel, saying, so to all the people there that were in Egypt, in the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house Take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. And ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. The whole assembly of the congregation of Israel, Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. So this was the institution now of this feast. Um, because uh, later on in this same chapter, Moses speaking to the people says, And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. And it shall come to pass when ye be come to the land which the Lord will give you, according as he hath promised, that ye shall keep this service. And it shall come to pass when your children shall say unto you, What mean ye by this service? That ye shall say, It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians and delivered our houses. So, this is the basis for the feast. It's a celebration of deliverance, but not only deliverance in that particular night, it was a deliverance from Egypt and Pharaoh as they crossed the Red Sea. And afterwards, it was a celebration of Israel becoming the chosen nation and uh, the celebration of the Mosaic Covenant. So all of these things, it, that's why this was such a special feast for these people, because it, 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 it encompassed all of those things. Not just the physical deliverance, but the, the act of the Lord choosing them, uh, the, the chosen nation, and that now through the... Um, the covenant that he made through Moses, uh, they were his children. Uh, is, it says in Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 and 6, Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel." So I've, heard, I've read these verses already. I've spoken of all this already. And so maybe this is just, again, a review. But this was the importance of the feast because it celebrated these things, the deliverance, the choosing, and the, the setting free for a purpose. They were to be his priests and his kings um, and a holy nation. So this feast was observed uh, for the most part all through the history. And when we come up to the time of Christ, um, it was still being observed. Now, certain things had changed slightly. The nation of Israel had also gone through different things, and we saw that reflected in the uh, Psalms. Not only was it a deliverance from Egypt, 
but it was also a return from captivity. Uh, the last four of the uh, six um, psalms were post-exilic, so after Babylon. And so this was an extremely important feast. So I, I looked up what, what happens. What, how, how does this feast look? And so I, I want to quickly go through it. Now it's a little bit lengthy here, but I want you to imagine now uh, that we're sitting uh, or that we're going to have this feast. So I got this uh, particular rendering of this from a, a fellow named Daniel B. Wallace, and he's a professor of New Testament studies. So if we look at the timeline, there's some preliminaries. They had to select a lamb. And this would have happened on the 10th day of Nisan, which is the month that was uh, uh, indicated. So they would select a lamb, one-year-old, unblemished lamb, chosen for the Passover by the member of the house. So this would have been uh, a few days before the actual feast. Somebody would have gone and chosen a lamb and presented it to the temple and to be inspected. And then as long as there was no blemishes, that they would keep that until the 14th day of the month. So then a few days later, they would actually search the houses for leaven. That's part of the practice of the Passover feast. And then on the 14th day, they would uh, take the lamb to the temple. And between noon and three o'clock, the lamb was slain in the temple. And uh, the priest would slay the lamb as they were reciting the Egyptian halal. And then they would take the lamb home and they would roast the lamb. So then <clears throat> the meal would begin. Now we read of, uh, we read of the accounts of Christ having uh, the meal with his, his uh, disciples. At the beginning of the meal, there would be three pieces of bread, the um, afikomen, I believe it's called, so pieces of matzah, unleavened bread. There would be three of them, and, and the, the leader of the, the, the Jewish feast would take the middle one, and he would break it. And then he would take that broken piece, and he would wrap it in a cloth, and they would hide it somewhere in the house, and then later on, it would become a, a thing for the young kids to do is they would have to go and look for this piece of bread that was, had been hidden. <clears throat> Partly that was to keep the kids interested because it was a long feast. <clears throat> but even, it's interesting, um, there's a, a book called the Haggadah, the Haggadah, which is kind of like, it tells you what, what's going to happen, it walks you through the whole feast, and they don't have any reason why would they do this. They had no reasoning or, or explanation of why the bread was broken and hidden and so on. <clears throat> so when they begin, they would have the, the, the leader, the host, would uh, get up and wash hands, or all the guests would come and wash their hands. On the table, uh, they would have uh, the food, unleavened bread, uh, vegetables, vinegar, and... Uh, and then another mixture, a paste of some other uh, stuff here. Uh, all of the participants would be reclining at the table. Now, the table would only be about 18 inches high. So it wasn't like you and I would sit at a table and chairs. They would actually recline, and they'd have cushions all around the table, and they would lean on their left side. And so the table being only about 18 inches, their feet would be under, away from them. They'd be resting on their right side, and then they would, with one hand, be eating. They would have four cups of wine. And these were particular cups that were drank at a particular time. So the first, uh, the, yeah, the wine would always be a red wine. It would typically be a warm, it would be warm, served warm. <clears throat> and then a prayer is uttered over each cup. 
the four verbs of Exodus uh, verses, uh, chapter 6, verse 6 to 7, are recited, one over each cup. So as they would have a cup, they would bless the cup, then they would recite uh, something from Exodus chapter 6. So after they're seated casually, the first prayer, or the Kiddush, the prayer of sanctification, is uttered to the, by the host. And so then he would have a prayer. So now they're all leaning on there. It's very luxurious. The table would be uh, very, very well um, set. Uh, the wine bottles would be there with their cups, and they'd be labeled. And all these particular foods would be there. So then the first cup of wine is poured. And then the first verb of Exodus chapter 6 is read. So Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 says this, Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptian, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will go to you, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So as they would uh, have this first wine, they would say this, the first verb, the first I am, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So this was now a, a song of uh, sanctification. God was saying, I will bring you out. I will take you out. I will separate you. I will make you holy. Then they would drink the wine. Then they would have some of the carpus. So this would be bitter herbs, and they would dip the, the herbs into the vinegar, and the, house, uh, the head of the house dips bitter herbs uh, into salt water or vinegar. He dips bitter herbs together with the chief guest of honor. And then he passes it on. And then they, so on. They would pass it on down the table. After all the partake of the carpus, all food is removed from the table. And this heightens the interest of the evening, prompting the questions from the youngest son. So part of the feast was after the first wine, they would then dip some of the uh, food. Then they would take everything away. And this part of the this was to heighten the anticipation. What are we doing? This is a feast. Why are you taking away all the food? And so then the youngest children would ask a certain question. They would pour the second cup, and then they would ask these questions. Why is this night different from all other nights? On all other nights, we eat leaven or unleavened bread, but this night only unleavened bread. Second question. On all other nights, we eat all kinds of herbs, but this night only bitter herbs. Why do we dip the herbs twice? On all other nights, a third question, we eat meat roasted, stewed, or boiled. But on this night, why only roasted meat? And then the, the host, or the father, he would answer. And typically, he would then speak of the deliverance of God. He would recite um, all of the things that God had done, the promises that he had made to, to Abraham, um, and actually, if you look at uh, Acts chapter 7, verses 2 to 38, Stephen does this when he was on trial. He does the same thing where he recites, and this is most likely very, uh, very close to what they would recite at the meal. And so then, after they would recite, the, after he would recite this, all the food is brought back to the table. Then the father explains the significance of the lambs, the bitter herbs, and unleavened bread. And then they sing the first two uh, halal uh, psalms. That would be Psalm 113 and 114. Then they would have a second cup. 
And then they would, they would recite, I will rid you out of the bondage. This is the cup of deliverance, of joy, of praise. So this is, uh, then they would uh, go to second hand washing. And then the paschal, the, the paschal lamb, with the vegetables and two of the unleavened bread wafers are served. They would pray over all the meal, break the bread, and then they would have the, the, the meal. Then the third cup would come. After the meal, the third cup is poured. The last of the unleavened bread wafers is blessed, broken, and eaten. All participants recite the post-meal grace together, and then they pray over the wine. Then the father recites the third verb from the Exodus uh, 6, verse 6. I will redeem you with, an with a stretched-out arm, and with great judgments. So this third cup is the cup, the redemption cup. It represents redemption. Then the father recites the fourth verb from Exodus chapter 6, verse 7. I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And then finally, Psalm 115 to 118 are sung as closing hymn. So this would be the, the feast. And, and I, I hope I didn't lose you there. Um, but you get this I, I impression that, I got the impression that this is very calculated. It's very purposeful. It, it's in order to uh, remember the goodness of the Lord. Remember what the Lord has done. This would have been the last supper that Jesus ate. We, we always refer to it as the Last Supper, but it was the Passover meal. So this celebration of remembering, looking back on the faithfulness of God towards his chosen, is also looking forward to the future. Remember, Colossians says this is a shadow of uh, things to come. When Jesus was eating the Last Supper, it was in fact the Passover meal, as we just described it. Um, several of the scriptures, the Gospels, uh, speak of Jesus having the Passover meal. But I'd just like to quickly look back now. And I want to note some things that happened. Every year, the, the Israelites would do these things, but this year it was different. Nisan 10, the selection of the Lamb. This fell on the day when Jesus was entering into Jerusalem. And at that time, we hear the people say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is reciting a portion of uh, Psalm 118. Hosanna, which means save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the equivalent of Jesus presenting himself to the people, presenting himself as the spotless lamb, even as all the families would have been at that time going and taking the lamb uh, or choosing the lamb, taking it to the priest to be approved as a spotless lamb, worthy of the sacrifice. Here we have Jesus coming in and presenting himself as the spotless lamb. <clears throat> Jesus and the disciples didn't in fact have their Passover with all of the other people. They ate it early. This would have been on Thursday evening. So the way that the, the Jewish reckoned days is the sundown of Thursday would have technically been the 14th of Nisan. And it would have gone all the way to the sundown of Friday. So on Friday, Thursday, 
Jesus celebrated the Passover. And we see here in, in, in the scripture here that he told his disciples, go and uh, get the, the stuff here. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare as us the Passover that we may eat. When Jesus, it says Jesus got up to wash uh, at that time, typically when the, the fam or the people would have got up to wash or the host, and Jesus was the host, it says that Jesus got up to wash his disciples' feet. The, the disciples had just had an argument about um, who would be the greatest, who would be sitting where in the Passover meal. And, and Jesus, sensing that they just don't get it, the humility was not there, that they're jockeying for position in a sense. He says uh, he got up and showed them what true service is. Interesting, the, um, the, the matzah bread that was broken, it says there was some matzah that was broken, and remember I told you about that. The third piece, there's three, and they went to the middle piece, and they broke it. And although the, the, they can't explain why they do this, doesn't that sound like something else that we have or that we recognize in Scripture? That of the triune God, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it was the Spirit who was broken. And it was the Spirit who was, ra- or not the Spirit, sorry, excuse me. It was Jesus who his body was broken. It was Jesus who was wrapped in the tomb and he was hidden for a while. We have the different cups. We have the, um, the parallel of what had happened in, in the, um, the we, we see the different examples of where Jesus was uh, uh, identifying who, who the betrayer was as he dips the, uh, the, the, um, the food into the bitter herbs. And we see that um, at the very end, in actually Matthew chapter, I want to, sorry, I'm a little bit, I'm, I'm trying to gather my thoughts here. Uh, Matthew chapter 26 says this, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples. To the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink, ye all of it. This would have been the third cup. This would have been the cup of redemption. The, the one that spoke of, of Christ or of, of God redeeming the people from Israel. And then he says in verse 29 of Matthew 26, and, But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it, new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. As Jesus was having this Passover meal, he fully recognized and knew that he was the fulfillment of the Passover meal. The shadow of things to come had come. Jesus had presented himself as the lamb, the spotless lamb. Jesus um, was the one who would offer himself, that who would offer his blood to be shed. 
As, we, as, they, as they broke the bread, Jesus' body was broken. Interestingly enough, on Jesus' disciples and him, uh, they had the Passover meal early. They had it on Thursday night. It was the next day, and if we re- remember the recounting of, of, of the Gospels, what happened, it was after the meal, after Jesus sung the, uh, the final hymn, the, the hymn of thanksgiving, Psalm 118, uh, that spoke so much about him. It was after this that uh, he went to the garden and was betrayed and then was uh, taken to the courts and, and tried by uh, all the different authorities. And then he was crucified. And it says that Jesus was crucified. Uh, I believe it's in Luke uh, chapter 23. It says uh, that when he was on the cross, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness fell upon the land. The sixth hour in the ninth hour was exactly the time when the, uh, the lambs would have been presented to the temple, would have been slain. And at that time, as the last lamb would have been slain, around the ninth hour, where the veil of the temple was rent. The narrative of Scripture has always been pointing to God and, and our relationship to God. How do we relate to God? The story of Scripture has not been just a whole bunch of collections of myths or, or stories that were not connected, but that narrative has always been going through, all, all the way through the Scripture. The children of Israel remembered that, um, that feast uh, and, and celebrate that feast in remembrance of the deliverance of, of, of God from Egypt. The children of Israel, um, they still celebrate that to this day because they don't recognize the Messiah. The children of Israel didn't recognize that the Messiah had come and that he was the perfect lamb. He was the one who, uh, whose blood was shed for the remission of sin so that we would be free from bondage so that we would not have uh, the penalty of sin resting over us anymore. That God, in his mercy, would be able to uh, offer forgiveness. And, and then also, through the resurrection of Jesus, um, would also be able to uh, bestow righteousness upon us. Jesus was that, that the fulfillment of the Passover and all of the things that the people so, so dearly held to and celebrated through those psalms are exactly the same things that you and I, men and women, need to celebrate. These are exactly the same things because Jesus himself, by fulfilling uh, that, or, or being in that role, being that perfect lamb, uh, he was the one who ushered in now also the New Testament or the New Covenant the covenant that was established in his blood. Now, we, you and I don't do the Passover feast anymore, but we do have the communion feast. And the communion feast is instituted by Jesus. <clears throat> First Corinthians 
1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. It's not just a remembrance of his death, but it's a remembrance of the deliverance that that brought. The freedom that we have. It's a remembrance that God pulled us out from Egypt, separated us uh, from bondage of sin, and, and he is uh, making us holy. It is, is that remembrance that God, uh, through the death of Christ, um, has set us free, not free to be free, but free to be servants of his, to be uh, a royal priesthood, as it says in First Peter. <clears throat> you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into the, his marvelous light. We don't have the Passover anymore, but we have communion. We still celebrate all those same things, though, in, in essence, that the Jewish people would have celebrated. But now it's, it's through the blood that we, uh, that we um, share, the blood, the cup, which is representing his blood. It is now through the breaking of the bread, which represents the broken body, that Jesus Instead of just remembering, he actually stepped into time and became our uh, propitiation. He became the substitute. He became that lamb that was slain for us. In Isaiah, it talks about him being the lamb. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so openeth not his mouth. This was the one who died for us. This is the one who gave us the new covenant, the new covenant in his blood. When we have communion... This is an opportunity for us to remember. This is an opportunity for us, even as the the Israelites would uh, remind their children, would uh, try and pass down the the remembrance of the things that Jesus had done or that God had done. This is a time for us also to reflect and to remember the great price that Christ paid for us, the new covenant that we have with him. And what is the final outcome? And this is the part that um, Jesus says in in, uh, verse 29 of Matthew 26. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with my father in my father's kingdom. This would have been the fourth cup. And I find it interesting, and I'll leave with this. The final promise of Exodus chapter 6 Verse 7 says, And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out, out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. This speaks of God 
in the future, Jesus says, there's coming a time. I'm not going to have this fourth cup, this fourth cup that speaks of God taking us to him as, a, as his people and him being our God. This is the same language that we, we hear about in Revelation uh, 20, 21, 22. Jesus says, there's coming a time and we're not going to have this last, I'm not going to have this last cup of wine because I'm going to wait until that time when I can have it in eternity with you as my people. Clearly, time is, is not uh, to go through this all and, and not feel rushed, and I felt pretty rushed to do it. You would need so much more time to really dissect it and, and so on. But brothers and sisters, I just hope that we could have a sense of, of, the, um, of the ongoing tide of the Scripture, or the, 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 progressive, the progression, the flow of Scripture. The, the story that has begun and that is always moving along and, and the, the, the foreshadowing of the things to come, the fulfillment that we see in Jesus of those many things that were prophesied and the things that are yet to come still. May our hearts be, I, I hope, uh, encouraged uh, to consider, first of all, what exactly happened, how Jesus, in such a dramatic way, filled, fulfilled uh, the role of, of that and change the meaning of the Passover and also to recognize that uh, the, there are so many more promises yet to the believer to come. And so may we be encouraged as we consider this that we would also not lose heart and, and that we would always look to God and to see God in a clearer way uh, through the word that he's given us and through the promises that we have in this word. Amen.